What do you do to mark the passage of time? The end of one year and the beginning of the next. Maybe we just change over the calendars. Um, I'm not sure what you do. But what I do on my podcast is I give my top ten list of my favorite movies of the previous year. It is completely anachronistic to the formula and mode of my podcast, but it is something that I have tried to incorporate uh, in my podcast almost every season. I don't think I did it last year. I can't remember. Uh, But I'm doing it this year. So enjoy this bonus episode of The Story Is. That's right. I'm Sam Logan, and you're listening to the podcast The Story Is, the podcast where we talk about the past, the present, and the personal. This time around, we're getting mostly about the past and personally about these movies because it's my personal list, and presently, I'm recording this podcast for you. I hope you like it. Unlike other end-of-the-year lists, I'm not going to waste any time. Let's get into it. Number 10, The Northman. Directed by Robert Eggers and written by Robert Eggers and somebody named Sion. Something like that. The cast includes Alexander Skarsgård, Nicole Kidman, Ethan Hawke, Anya Taylor-Joy, and Willem Dafoe. And I believe we have... I'm trying to remember. Yes, Bjork is all in this movie. What is the Northman about? Well, if I just said it was Hamlet, you would say, oh, well, come on. Well, it is and it isn't. The main character's name is Amalith, which if you move the letters around just briefly, you've got the name Hamlet. But it is about a young Viking prince who is on a quest to avenge his father's murder. This is a stunning movie. It is more than just a revenge movie. It is a movie that is both uh, visually arresting uh, actors that are completely uh, they have dialed into the tone of this movie of the intensity of this story about Amalith wanting to get uh, revenge for the murder of his father, for the uh, for the complete upending of his entire world, and he is consumed by one thing and one thing only, to kill his uncle. And this movie is worth seeing not just because the cast is terrific, the visuals are just stunning. I can't. I wish. I know this is a word. This is an audio program. I do not have the words to accurately describe how stunning this movie is. You've just got to see it. But what I found and I walked away with uh, the most uh, from it, aside from the amazing action scenes, was its commentary on revenge. And that 
revenge itself is pointless. That's the actual message of the movie is the hollowness of revenge. You can get it. You can go after it. You can allow it to consume your life. But it's not going to lead to a satisfying life. It's going to, you're going to get your revenge. Great. But you're not left with much. The Northman was a stunning, brutal movie that I would recommend. That's my number 10. Do you feel the need? The need for number nine on my list. That's right. That is Top Gun Maverick. This movie impressed me not just because the uh, action scenes were incredible, the actual aerial flights and just the stunning sound, uh, the adventure, the story it was telling. Uh, It impressed me because this movie made me care about, it was a sequel to a movie I did not care about at all. Uh, The original Top Gun was a movie that was kind of unavoidable. I did never sought it out. It was kind of perpetually always on TV. I just always saw Tom Cruise flying in a plane and then playing volleyball and having weird, you know, fights with Val Kilmer silently and sometimes not silently. Uh, everything was looked very sweaty. Uh, so I came into this movie with no nostalgia whatsoever, mostly curiosity for why someone would make this movie aside from a, uh, I don't know, a money grab. But what you found was, uh, this movie rides a lot on the, uh, yeah, the, the uh, charisma of, and selling you on Uh, the legend of Tom Cruise himself. And it works. The director knows what he's doing. He knows how to shoot Tom Cruise and knows how to present him and his character as a legend, which is what his character is in this movie. Um, Really someone that I would have a hard time actually exists, which is what makes him interesting. He is a maverick. He is a one of a kind type of person, which is a compelling hero to watch. And so when this compelling hero is forced to go from the rebel of the first movie and become a leader in the second movie, we have something interesting altogether. Tom Cruise doesn't completely pass a baton to the next generation, but does allow uh, Miles Teller and the younger cast to have some victories in this aerial uh adventure and it is also takes the time to be more than just the uh popcorn adventure movie that it is but also has a lot of human moments um including uh taking the time to have a scene with um actor Val Kilmer who has uh struggled with a real life a disease that is uh led him to not be able to uh, speak on his own. Um, So they took the time to include him in the movie, and they did a very good job of that. That's all I'm going to say, uh, otherwise it would kind of ruin it, but they do an excellent job of including Val Kilmer and just add a real uh, human uh, connection to this movie to remind you why you should actually care about the people 
you're watching. So I enjoyed Top Gun Maverick. Number eight is a movie 12-year-old me would have absolutely loved and adult me also really enjoyed. Number eight is The Batman, a movie starring Robert Pattinson as The Dark Knight. It is a movie that is directed by Matt Reeves, written by Matt Reeves, Peter Craig, and credited creator Bob Crane is the credited creator of Batman, but... Uh, look into that. That's a whole other story all in itself. Uh, this movie includes Zoe Kravitz as Catwoman, Jeffrey Wright as James Gordon, Colin Farrell as the Penguin, Paul Dano as the Riddler, John Turturro as Carmine Falcone, and Andy Serkis as Alfred. It is a movie that is kind of divisive, I've heard people complain that it's too long, that it's too dark, that it's too one note, and I disagree. Uh, for me, it worked on all, all, you know, all parts for me. Um, it was, it was watching a comic book. That's what it felt like. It was the type of comic book movie I had been waiting for for a long time because it was all the visuals were the type of visual you expect from a comic book but they made it real uh, from the narration of Batman to the use of darkness and Batman coming out of that darkness and Batman using the element of fear to spread himself around the city where he can't be all at the same time, but to use the unknown and the specter of darkness to discourage crime itself we find this Batman to be a young Batman that is still developing, still very much depressed, very much in grief, and very immature. And some viewers uh, find that off-putting. I found it intriguing because most often when we've seen Batman, we've seen the master detective. We have seen the guy who has all the answers. Yes, he's uh, he's uh, you know shut off from the world, but uh, pretty uh, pretty together, and has all the answers. This Batman needs help. This Batman gets help from Alfred. Uh, this Batman gets help from uh, Commissioner Gordon. This Batman isn't comfortable in his own skin. He is an oddity. He is not someone that is welcomed by the police department. All things that would make sense in the real world. A guy dressed up as a bat would be seen as an odd thing, which is what Robert Pattinson's Batman is seen as, as an odd thing. And what we see in this character, though some would disagree that we don't see character development, I believe we do. He goes from a symbol of fear to a symbol of hope to being something in the shadows, to something that comes out of the light and guides people from destruction instead of being the cause of destruction. He goes beyond vengeance and becomes part of a city's reconstruction. It is a fascinating, dark, 
compelling origin story that is a familiar character, yet they go about it in a very different way. It really is, uh, it's not chapter one Batman, but it is a chapter two Batman, a very early Batman, and a story that we haven't seen that I thoroughly enjoyed, found fascinating not only from the hero's perspective, but gave us a terrifying villain as well that felt very familiar, which I think would put people off, and I'm sure probably did, but I also thought was relevant and made sense uh, to bring some of the uh, present-day fears into the movie to kind of show a more realistic uh, Batman villainish type of person who they call the Riddler uh, that uh, in uh, like every classic villain believes that they are right and has their angle and has a bit of truth mixed in with a whole lot of madness and is trying to do something uh, horrible that they think is right. So the Batman, an amazing movie, whether you think or well, whether people agree with me or not, I thought it was great. Number seven, the movie is Tar. Now, not the substance Tar, but the movie called Tar. Uh, now, this is a movie that is about a main character named Lydia Tar. It is set in the international world of Western classical music. The film centers on Lydia Tarr, wildly considered one of the greatest living composer-conductors. This fictional character is the first-ever female music director of a major German orchestra. Having achieved an enviable career few could ever dream of, renowned conductor-composer Lydia Tarr, the first female principal conductor of the Berlin Film Harmonic, is at the top of her game. As a conductor, Lydia not only orchestrates she manipulates. As a trailblazer, the passionate virtuoso leads the way in the male-dominated classical music industry. Now, she... This is... I talk about this movie specifically about this character because that is essentially the movie. Why should you see Tar? Kate Blanchett. She is amazing. She is... I'm very confident she's going to be nominated for awards, if not being, going to be winning a bunch of awards. For, pay, for playing this very uh, complicated, fascinating character of Lydia Tarr. Uh, the immediate byline about this movie, people are going to say that it's about cancel culture, uh, but to say it's about cancel culture would be to say that it actually decides to say something about cancel culture, which I don't think it does. That's the only thing I really have against the movie, is that it doesn't really have a point. Uh, that's why it's lower down on the list and not higher up on the list is because I don't think it has, it, uh, it is a very creative movie. It is a, is an interesting movie. It is a character study, but I don't think it has a clear point. I think its goal is ambiguity. I think it is to show levels and degrees of a character and that's it. It doesn't necessarily pass judgment, though we see consequences for actions uh we don't really see a clear uh, perspective or thought or a really an underlying theme of 
and this is what you should think. It is left up to the audience uh, what you should, what you uh, think of what happens to Lydia Tarr in this movie. If it's if that is justice, if that is enough. Um, but she plays a, f a fascinating uh, conductor, um, and Cape Blanchett embodies this character with so much. Uh, I don't know, intensity, presence, charisma, and she's the she's the reason to watch the movie. Uh, she's just just as enrapturing. Uh, just every moment is interesting. Every choice she makes in the movie makes you pushes you further and further to the edge of your sheet, seat, not to the edge of your sheet. I don't know if you're if you're sitting on a sheet. That's uh, well, that's up to you. That's your choice. Uh, but yeah, Tar, fascinating movie. You are very likely going to be hearing about this movie. Come awards time. Number six on the list is the Fablemans, or should I say, the Spielbergs. Now, if you read the movie description, it's the story of the Fablemans about Sammy Fableman and how his uh, family uh, deals with their uh, family drama and how he grows and is impacted by the a love uh, of movies and creating film. And what it really is, is the closest we've come to understanding the mind and life experience of Steven Spielberg, which is uh, a big deal for a lot of people who love movies, especially people of my age whose world was shaped by Steven Spielberg, at least the world of movies. Uh, the first time I learned a director's name, it was Steven Spielberg's name. That's what I thought. I thought every movie was a Steven Spielberg movie. And all the themes that he gave us are here. Themes of adventure, perspective, and family, and divorce, and what happens after that. What Steven Spielberg gives us is the most personal story he can give us. Now, it's a story he's given us many times, but one very, as close as to the bone as possible. And in some cases, a little, the most meta he's ever been. And I won't give any, any specifics because then I would be spoiling the movie. But if you love movies, you will love The Fablemans. Number five, this movie is called The Outfit. Now, I watched this movie in the least ideal situation to watch a movie. Uh, the perfect way to watch a movie, my favorite way to watch a movie, is in a movie theater. That's the way you should watch movies. Now, I like to watch them at home. Um, I watch them any, you know, when, I, when I can. I love, I love my home TV. But uh, the least, uh, probably the worst way to watch a movie is on a plane. And that's how I watched this number five movie, The Outfit. Uh, that's how good this movie was. It uh, sucked me in, in this tiny screen. I was sucked into this world of this uh, tailor set in Chicago, uh, dealing with the mob. And it's all set in this tailor's shop. 
And it, the main character is played by Mark Rylance, uh, Oscar winner, Mark Rylance. Uh, you uh, won for a bridge of spies. And he plays this character that we've, we think we know, but we really don't. And this movie plays like an Agatha Christie. It reminded me of like death on the Nile or really the mousetrap because you're set in one location and you get twist after twist after twist. And if I go into any more details, I'll ruin it for you. But uh, if you like a good mystery, if you like, uh, it, it's, it's not a play, but it sure could have been as far as I know, um, because it's set in one place. It's all very tight. Um, and it, uh, it gets you from one tense moment to the next and you can't believe, Oh, are you kidding me? We're going to another level of tense. I thought we were through this whole oh boy. And it is the type of movie that, uh, I know uh, my parents would enjoy. Uh, they like a good, uh, a good mystery, a good murder mystery, which uh, is one of the elements of this movie. And it also takes a bit of patience to, as it takes a little time to find out what's going on. But the outfit is definitely something worth checking out. It's my number five. <laughs> Movie number four had an impossible task. It had to make a sequel to a movie without its title character. It had to move on from a giant loss and create something. My number four is Wakanda Forever. Well, specifically Black Panther. Wakanda forever. This movie shouldn't have worked. This movie was without its main character, Black Panther. It was without the heart of its predecessor, uh, Chadwick Boseman, uh, played Black Panther in the previous film, and was so much of the spirit of the movie. Um, but this sequel, Wakanda Forever, uh, again demonstrates and reminds me of how deep the cast is of the Black Panther series. It just has great actor after great actor. Um, not all, not all household names. I mean, Angela Bassett, uh, but all compelling actors with interesting characters that they're playing. Uh, they all play, for the most part, in a comic book world, they're all playing real people with real feelings and real emotions. Uh, they are all people who have experienced a great loss. Yeah, I guess it helps that they've experienced a great loss in real life, and their assignment is to play a character that's experienced a great loss. They mourn the passing of a hero and a friend. And they also continue a legacy of fighting for what you believe in, for the people you love, 
and the place that you're from, that you believe in, that you have pride in. And for principles that you believe in. That's what Wakanda Forever hit me with. Was similar to the Northmen, the hollowness of killing your enemies, but also what do you really stand for in life? What is your principle? What are what are we really here for? What are we doing? But Wakanda Forever is a comic book movie about the passing of the character Black Panther and how the kingdom of Wakanda moves forward while battling uh, Namor and the uh, underwater uh, world of Atlantis and the interesting backstory that Namor and his people have. Uh, they, they have some parallels and some... And, some contrasts, and there is a both similarities, and they clash, and it is, again, it shouldn't work, but it does, because there is a, I think there's just an intellectual honesty at the core of a comic book movie that really rings true, that uh, is unavoidable, and by the end, when you, with a film that started out so hopeless, the film ends with hope, with joy, and life. Number four, Wakanda Forever. Number three, Knives Out. Number two, no, no, no. If you ask Ryan Johnson, the name of this movie is Glass Onion. But if you ask Netflix, the name of the movie is Glass Onion, A Knives Out Mystery. Uh, this is the sequel to Knives Out, and it is a terrific mystery. It is, uh, again, another mystery that's set in one location, and it is not what it appears to be. Another familiar feeling of a group of people set in one location, a murder and try to figure out who did it. But that's not all that's going on here. It is, uh, and if I explain more again, that would ruin it. But the reason to see this movie, the, the cast is really good. But the central reason to see this movie is Daniel Craig. He has really impressed me this past year. I think I said earlier this year, I told you about how I saw him play Macbeth on Broadway, he was incredible. And he continues to be amazing as he plays this character in Knives Out. The character of Benoit Blanc is a character that I don't think you would stereotypically cast Daniel Craig in. He's frequently played killers. He's played James Bond. He's played just steely-eyed, uh, I don't know, just... lethal, uh, not very comic characters, though with some exceptions. Uh, he has been really, really impressive. Now, I, let me tell you at least the, the IMDb description of this movie, uh, to tell you at least, tell you something of the movie. 
It is about five longtime friends who are invited to the Greek island home of billionaire Miles Braun, played by Ed Norton. All five know Braun from way back and owe their current wealth, fame, and careers to him. The main event is a murder weekend game with Braun to be the victim in a game. He's to, in this game, he is murdered, supposedly, and they're supposed to figure out who killed him. In reality, they all have reasons to really kill him. Also invited is Benoit Blanc, the world's greatest detective. Now, this movie, oddly enough, starts off in the COVID world, but quickly escapes. Uh, I warn you because I found that jarring. Uh, just because uh, it's 2022, COVID is real. I'm not going to get into the details of that. It was just, I thought we had reached the point, at least in our entertainment, where that wasn't going to be, unless it was necessary, going to be a plot point. It's an early on plot point. Uh, and I think it's because this movie, I think, was written in like 20, <laughs> 2020. Uh uh, so you get kind of those elements, but don't be jarred by that. It's not, it doesn't last for too long and you get some, uh, some COVID humor, uh, that's, uh, not political, but mostly, uh, at the expense of some characters. And it's, it's, a, the other thing about this movie, it's not only a good mystery, it is a good comedy. It's genuinely a, a funny movie. So, uh, it is a movie I would definitely watch again. And it, my immediate reaction was, if we get so many Fast and Furious movies, I want just as many Knives Out movies. That's how much I enjoy this movie. Here's to seven more Knives Out. Movie number two. Very easily could be number one. It's a close one. But this one is a movie that is titled by one word. Nope. Directed by Jordan Peele. Written by Jordan Peele. This is the story of after random objects falling from the sky result in the death of their father. Ranch-owning siblings O.J. and Emerald Haywood attempt to capture a video evidence of an unidentified flying object with the help of tech salesman Angel Torres and documentarian Antlers Hoist, Holst. This movie is now available on Peacock, and I... If you haven't watched it, go watch this movie. If you like The Twilight Zone, go watch this movie. If you liked Get Out, go watch this movie. If you like uh, compelling, interesting sci-fi, go watch this movie. Um, it is scary. It is brutal. Uh, it has a subplot that oof, is, is a rough one. Uh, I'll warn you, I don't... Don't think my mother would like that. Uh, but everyone else, go see Nope. Um, it is... It is... manages to be sci-fi. It manages to be a Western. It is... a movie about family. And it is... It is a movie that definitely has layers to it. That... It takes... Um, it's another movie that there is no downtime uh, because the story is interesting. How they tell it is interesting. Also, uh, Kiki Palmer is never boring. She is one of the most compelling people I've seen on screen. Uh, Steven Yeun is great. 
Uh, Daniel Kiluya, he's he should be in more movies. He, uh, they are great together. I believe them as as siblings. I really do. Uh, it is a. I can't. No, yeah, I'm I'm a bad podcaster. I just have to tell you to go see Nope. If I say any more, it, I would have to go into spoilers, which I don't want to do. Uh, but it is a movie that does a good job of making you wonder, making you watch both what's in the sky and what's on the screen. You really wonder. You want to know what happens. And they also give you interesting characters, not only the main characters of OJ and Emerald, but also the salesman, uh, Angel, and also the documentarian are also interesting people that you want to meet. And it is, it feels like uh, Stephen King at its best. It feels like M. Night Shyamalan, when he was on top of his game, go see Nope. Say yep to Nope. My number one movie of 2022. And I knew, I knew very early on what my number one was going to be. That wasn't a hard one. And it is a movie that I saw very early in the year and has stuck with me the entire year. It is a movie directed by Dan Kwan and Dan Scheinert, also written by Dan Kwan and Dan Scheinert. It is starring Michelle Yeoh, Jamie, Jamie Lee Curtis, Ki-Yu Kwan, Stephanie So. And it and James Hong, that's right. Oh, he's great. Um, and this movie is called Everything Everywhere All at Once. An aging Chinese immigrant is swept up in an insane adventure in which she alone can save the world by exploring other universes connected with the lives she could have led. Now, it sounds crazy. It sounds, okay, if you, if you try to explain to people that it's uh, multiversal and all these things and weird stuff has to happen. Um, at the center of this movie, what this movie really is about is about family. It is encased in many types of movie, many types of genre, uh but it is at the heart of it, it is a movie about family and about the choices we make in life and the people that we love. It's about opportunity cost. It's about taxes and laundry. This movie really... Uh, <laughs> it really hit me. Um, I, I, I'm sure it's because of the passage of time and oof, me getting even older. Um, just realizing the importance of how you spend your time and who you spend it with and why that's so important. Um, and not wasting time. 
And this movie does a great job of communicating all of those very real, very somber themes in an entertaining way. It's divided up into different chapters. It's going to take you on some wild rides. It's going to get weird, but stick with it. And what you're going to find by the end of it is a rewarding experience. It, you're, you're going to start off going, I don't know what's going on here. But if you stick with it, you are going to be thoroughly entertained. You will not be bored. And you will be grossed out. But you are going to be glad you finished. And you will be recommending this movie just as like I am right now. So if you do one thing, you're done with this podcast. Go watch everything, everywhere, all at once. My number one movie of 2022. Well, that's going to do it for this episode. I appreciate you listening, especially because this is not a normal episode. Uh, mostly just a, uh, a favorite thing I like to do. Uh, well, well, I guess that's what this podcast is, more of my favorite things I like to do. Uh, but in this case, it's a less structured, less of a story and more of a, uh, hey, this is what I like. So I appreciate uh, you listening, uh, supporting this uh, podcast, uh, which is the other thing I wanted to say was thank you for listening because I'm in between seasons right now and yet I see people are still listening, which I really appreciate, uh, really encourages me to keep going with this thing. And uh, especially as we get into a new year, a lot of the new stuff is going to be happening uh, uh, for me and for my family and it's going to be uh, exciting and uh, I, may, I may talk about that. I may not. Um, but that brings me to my call to action. Uh, let me know um, either at the Facebook page. I'll see if I can maybe attach the question uh, on the app here and the maybe in the Anchor app or something of whether or not to release a trailer uh, sooner than later for my next season. Now, I, I'll admit I'm still in pre-production uh, for the next season of the story is I'm still in the research phase. I have an episode done. Um, I, I know what I want to talk about, but I usually like to have episodes done and then, you know, release a trailer. Uh, but I mean, I know, I know what I'm going to do. So if you want a trailer sooner rather than later, let me know. Or if you're like, no, don't, don't tell me till you, you know, because what's also annoying as a podcast listener, you get a trailer and then you don't get anything for like months. So let me know, hey, do you want to know now or if you can wait? So that'd be great. You can email me at the story is podcast at gmail.com or you can let me know at the Facebook page the story is or I'll see if I can attach it uh, to the uh, the Facebook, not the Facebook app, the uh, Anchor app. Um, I may or may not be able to do that. We'll see what happens. So thank you very much for listening. And until next time, I'm Sam Logan. That's my story. Those are my movies. And I'm sticking to it.